guys. Welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is... Pat O'Sullivan. <laughs> so I had a... I, I, I was reading this study, <laughs> and I, I'm surprised I want to open with this, but I've been so excited to talk to everybody about it. Okay. Um, I read this study, and it was about... It was done by a company called WeVibe, and WeVibe is... Uh, it's a vibrator. It's, right. It's a, it's a sex toy company. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, and they did this study where they conducted... Um, they asked a thousand men um, if they were sexually attracted to their Alexa or their smart home system or something like that. 14% of them said that they were. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that, Pat? Are you, uh... That sounds about right, just because if you, you have to remember that not everybody has Alexa. So you're already drawing from a base of people that have well, agreed. Well, I think it was a smart home device, you know, your Google or. Right, right. But, but all right, so you're already, you're drawing from a pool of people that have already agreed to adopt household AI. Sure, right. Which is something that, um. You know, I have an Alexa. I have like the oh shit, it's probably gonna turn on now. I have an a, I have an A as yeah. they call it, and uh, this is so, this is this is so crazy. You bring this up. There's so many synchronicities with this that you bring this up. Oh, right now. okay. Yeah, no, it's now that I think about it, it's actually kind of insane. Okay. So, um, yes. So I have an A, and we, uh, my wife's, my father-in-law gave us one for Christmas like two years ago. Yeah. I don't know if I would have ever gotten it. Yeah. I don't know if I ever would have spent the money on it because we got kind of like the nice ones with like it's a video screen too. Yeah, I've got that one. It's, it's not just the hockey puck. Yeah. Yeah. So like when we got it, the reason that the, the dad's reasoning for getting them was like, okay, now we can all like FaceTime each other. Same. Yep. That's what happened. With us. Right. So but we turned that shit off like right away because the the kids would like – just if you don't have that like the like uh safety things on yeah. then people can just like materialize in your in your living room with their face on that thing yeah. and be yeah, like yeah. looking at you and shit and like you know not that i get up to anything too nefarious around here but like no we're, we're no. disabling that right away it's already you know? a weird concept and, and, and like so i got this so i got what you essentially call the hockey puck i got that not last year, but the year before, because it was, there, there was like 20 bucks or something. And I had bought right. my mom one for Christmas. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy one. And, um, you know, started using it. And then last year for Christmas, she got both me and my sister one. My sister's deaf. So, you know, for her, it was really, it's really kind of nice for her to be able to just, you know, contact us when she needs to or whatever. Um, and then we can do that. Well, I literally just hooked the the nice one up like, uh, like last, like, I don't know, like last month. <laughs> And because I've kind of been scared to use it. I mean, honestly, I'm like, I don't really want my, you know, not even just strangers. Like, I don't want my mom dropping in on them. Do you know what kind of sure. shit else? <laughs> I, know, I, I know. Yes, I can understand that completely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but, you know, I don't know how people have turned. I mean, it, of course, it went on to explain kind of how you can turn that into a sexual interest. Because it's more of like a confusion because it's a very... Um, Instant gratification is what it gives you, and instant gratification gives us a hit of dopamine. So then we become, you know, you can become addicted just based off of the hits of dopamine that you get on things, and and your brain is up to interpret that however however you want to. That's kind of how we build um, sexual attraction as children, you know, throughout the years. Is that you know that's why people develop foot fetishes because they have a weird. I don't know, memory of a foot that was good for them when they were two, you know? <laughs> somebody, somebody was telling me that actually, somebody said that same was trying to explain the foot fetish thing to me like last week. And it was the same thing that like, it's because when we're younger, everything's at like adults are at foot level. 
And that's what we, you know, it's like the Muppet Babies, right? Yeah. I don't know if you ever see that where it's just a bunch of legs walking? Up. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, that does. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. But I did. I found that, um, I don't know, 14%. That's still a lot out of, uh, what, a thousand dudes. That's what, 140 of them uh, were attracted to to their Yeah, end. but that, that to me is so weird because, like, okay, first, number one, these people that, like, get sexual attraction to like non-sexual things it's yeah. like don't you know where porn's at like i i feel like like why are you oh you because you like you're attracted to your alexa because it talks to you well like That's so do people on so do people on night flirt like yeah why why are you using it it seems like they're either really cheap or they're going out of their way to not use porn but they're getting pornographic stimulation from like benign objects because they refuse to just do what the rest of us do um <laughs> i mean so, i'm not gonna kink shame anybody no, no of course no no hey listen i don't i don't believe in necessarily kink shaming but i think that you should be able to unpack why you're into what you're into oh, I agree. And, and sometimes in the process of that that's not necessarily shaming you but like dude if you turn on by your alexa i think i think you have a little bit more legwork to do in, in finding the real you yeah <laughs> you I, I do and that's not and i don't say that from a uh I don't say that as like king shaming. I just say that as like as oh, a fucking intelligent person. Coming like, from someone with a sex addiction, like I know that I had to unpack that in order to get rid of my healthy side of it. I'm I'm still a sex addict, but I don't um I don't do things that I used to do. <laughs> this is crazy. Maybe one day we'll just have a whole episode about my sex addiction. Um, but I don't I don't I don't make the bad decisions that I used to the impulse decisions that I used to uh, because of it because I have a better understanding and I have a better hold of it. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not a sex addict though still it just means that I've accepted what's acceptable and what's not in regular society so <laughs> that is that is 100% what I was trying to get at yeah. is that like look you could be into whatever the fuck you're into but you know you're you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't stop and ask why and right. like yeah. you know yeah, uh, but going back to the Alexa thing I um so right after we got it I I for much of my 20s I used to participate in these market research things uh-huh. where cuz I'm like a white dude you know so it's like they <laughs> wanted everyone's trying to sell me shit so you know they would bring me in and I'd watch Sam Adams ads and come sure. up with stuff and uh I participated in a um a study with Amazon and uh with the Alexa and basically like you know because i had i had like the nice model with the screen and stuff and um i had to like do video uh like vlogs for it lasted like two three months and they paid me like i think it was like 500 bucks and uh once a week i yeah dude it was real nice and once a week i had to do some kind of assignment where i had to do something new with i had to work on like the skills you know how they have like like, skills that you can all this stuff and You know, basically what they were trying to do is they want – what happens after you sell the whole entire world in Alexa? An A. Let me put it like that. Um, The next thing is you got to sell them too. Yeah. Otherwise, you just just exhausted your customer base. So their idea was to have one – to have multiple devices in every home. Right. And to find different uses to make them integral and – the one the study that I was a part of is the kitchen and how they want to make it a part of uh, not only cooking, but grocery shopping and all that stuff so that you have one in your kitchen and like you can look up recipes and it can act as a timer and it can tell you like 
you know, unit conversion from like cups to quarts and stuff. And then let's say you're out of butter. You can have it do the, you know, say, Hey, add butter to this list. And then two days later, butter shows up at your door and all (laughs) the shit. And, and I remember like the exit interview and the, the, the person that like the person that worked in the, um, the local office that what didn't work for Amazon, but Amazon hired this office to like do this with like people. Right. Okay. I kind of knew we had we had friends of friends through Second City, and um, <laughs> we were doing like the exit interview, and she was like, "What do you think about this?" I'm like, "This is this is fucked up. Like how how much are you trying to integrate this fucking AI into our lives? Yeah. Like is anybody stopping to ask? I'm like, it's the oldest cliche in the world, but you're so busy trying to figure out how to do it, you never stop to ask if you should. I'm like, do we really need this? I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> it's not- you know and. It's, it's like, well, so it's it's neat, okay? It can do some very neat things, but it's fucking useless because you've got other shit that can do all that shit too. You know, it's just all that doing all that shit in one spot. <laughs> That's all it is. You know, it really, it's really all it is. Do I need to watch a video on how to cook something? Sure. I'll pull out my phone and look it up. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you really don't need it. I mean, I guess, you know, do you want something to control your lights and stuff? Sure. But you there's easily, a, you know, smart smart devices that you could buy that you could hook up to your phone and then your phone still uses it like i said it's neat but it is pretty it is pretty useless and i feel like when they first came out with that they didn't realize it and then (laughs) after a couple months they were like wait why do they need this how can we make people need this and where you know they've gotten very creative with a lot of the skills and a lot of the things that that you can do with it so well i mean bringing it back to your original statement they've gotten so creative with it that 14 percent of men surveyed had a romantic attraction to it exactly which is like (laughs) even even more alarming it's like i was right you know (laughs) yes it is it is very scary i mean i don't mind i don't mind the ai thing like i don't mind living in a jetsons world um you know that's not uh, there's just not a big fear of mine personally um but you haven't watched enough movies (laughs) (laughs) jesus i'm not afraid of them i would probably have i would probably have sex robots and stuff so i mean you know yeah am i attracted to them maybe (laughs) yeah i had i uh, that's another we'll save that for the other one um I yeah I I think that it's just a slippery slope because I think once you part of human relationships are so complicated that I think once we develop a shortcut to make them unnecessary people are going to really go down that rabbit hole because we don't like dealing with each other I don't like dealing with people but I have to and it's part of being a civilization and it's part of us all being a, a culture a community right and when you find you start you find all these different ways to not have to deal with people. You know, but when you get to the point where it's completely unnecessary to have human interaction, like what kind of life is that? I do agree with that. Like my my best friend has a lot of anxiety and she's noticed like with the pandemic and things, it's it's kind of it's fed into her anxiety about people. And so she really, you know, now she doesn't have an excuse to have to go to the grocery store or, you know, do those things because, you know, now she has excuses to avoid it. And, um, you know, it's not good. I am. 100% 100% a people person. I, I, if I can go be with people, that's, that's what I'm doing. Like, that's my, mm-hmm. people ask me all the time what I like to do. And I'm like, well, I really don't people. have hobbies. You just, I mean, that's yeah, people all, ask almost me, like, an addiction, one would say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't feed my addiction unless I'm around people. So, exactly. Uh, you know, that's, uh, well, okay, that's not true, but, <laughs> but, okay, what, if, but what if there was, what if that got so good 
that it was it'll, it'll never necessarily take the place of it but it does a better job than it does now could you see just falling like like into that pit of addiction and then you know because at least now you have to stay kind of grounded because you have to interact with another human being to get what you want yeah i I mean i don't think it would um it would affect it and i think the biggest reason why is because like is you know just talking about sex specifically the type of sex that i like to have and a part of it and i and a part of my sex addiction is uh being in control of other people so I don't really get I wouldn't get that same satisfaction that I would get with a piece of machinery because like of course I'm in control of the machine complete control yeah there's no challenge to it so you know whereas like with another person you know especially having when I have sex with dudes you know guys they automatically assume that they're going to be the dominant they're going to be the alpha they're going to be in control and then they find out pretty quickly with me that they're not going to <laughs> and then it, for me that's where that's where it feeds into that i'm like yes i won you know that that's that's where i get my dopamine hit from <laughs> it's <laughs> the know, struggle as sick as it is um but yeah so ah. I, mean, I don't think it would be possible for me to to make that yeah. rich you know that's just not that's not part of it so i don't know i mean it would be cool though i mean it would be nice uh, i tell you what sometimes sometimes when i masturbate and i really get into it it sucks because it's also still work and i'm like god damn it this feels great but like it like <laughs> i am sweaty my muscles hurt <laughs> that's because you're <laughs> yeah. i mean that might have to do with other things in your system if it's that much of a struggle uh i would no i just get really creative um <laughs> well, pat when you masturbate four to five times a day you have to get creative with it <laughs> it's pretty bad um I don't know. Maybe I should start that OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so that was uh, pretty much my my only real update in the in the weekly weird. Um, I haven't had much going on. I'm trying to make. I'm, I'm making two trips soon. Um, one of them is going to be to uh, Point Pleasant. Again, I have interviews that I have to do there. I just have to get everybody on the same page. And then another one is I'm actually going to Iowa. So. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. I've never been there. I've been all over the Midwest and I'm fairly well traveled, but I've, for whatever reason, never been to Iowa. Well, because there's nothing there, Pat. It's. <laughs> well, what brings you that way? So, well, so there's a, um, there's an old legend there, which, you know, I guess I'll kind of talk about, but, um, it's an old, uh, there's an old cryptid there and, you know, that's a big thing. So I want to go check out their little town and stuff. And then, um, there's also this, um, like house there where it's like some people got, axe murdered or something a long time ago and you can go stay oh, okay and um so we're gonna go stay and kind of do like a ghost hunt um and whatever and the push though i mean you know of course i've got you know states with all these cool things that i'd like to go see the push was um coming through chicago is a guy eventually i'll be in chicago but the push was was a guy i mean i hate to say it like that but <laughs> it was a synchronicity you know i kind of talked to this guy for a minute and uh and you know he mentioned that he was from iowa and at the time you know, the Van Meter visitor, which is in Iowa, kept popping up and popping up. And I talked to him while on one of my trips for the documentary in West Virginia. And I'm like, well, fuck, I think this has to do with the documentary. I feel like this is a synchronicity. I feel like that's where I got to go next. So, um, you know, that kind of started it. But he's a fellow. He's another cryptozoologist. And so mm-hmm. um, he's going to take us in. They've got like a skinwalker forest there. And we're going to go do that. Uh, so I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff planned um you know coming up but i mean gosh getting everybody it's hard when you have a you know i have a crew now i have a whole film crew and it's hard to get everybody on the same page because everybody you know all those people they still work they still have lives and jobs and kids and things so 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to get everybody to to plan it, but I'm hoping West Virginia is going to happen in October. And then um, I'm hoping Iowa happens in November. And then I'm probably not okay. going to do anything for December and January because winter. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Midwestern winters are, are hit or miss as far as travel goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll you know, we'll see. And it's just kind of, you know, because the documentary is basically about synchronicity. I mean, we'll just see where it takes us. So, um, but you know, in regards to the Van Meter visitor, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of touch on it. It's a pretty short story. Um, the Van Meter visitor happened in 1903 in Iowa and, um, multiple townspeople reported seeing this, um, flying creature. Now they kind of said it looked more like a pterodactyl. Um, and it had like a horn, like in the middle like a one horn out of its head and it would shoot laser beams from the horn wow and that sounds crazy but the people that that saw this thing they weren't like town drunks or anything it was it was the local banker the doctor the the high school teacher you know it was like you know big credible people and um so you know they had said that it was terrorizing their town for about a week and then they decided well the next time we see it we're going to get a mob together and we're going to go ahead and go out and we're going to you know we're going to take this thing out um so it was reported um by an old um by like a coal mine and you know which is significant and i'll explain all that in the documentary but um it, it was found by a coal mine they went over there and they found it not just the monster but they also found it with a baby well, what they assume is a baby, a smaller version of it. And um, they tried to shoot at it. Nothing happened. It didn't even react. It was just like, whatever. And then it went into the coal. It went down the coal shaft, the mine shaft, and they never saw it again. <laughs> and but there was like 70 people or something crazy. Like the whole fucking town went like mob style. And they all saw it. And it's just gone now. Um, so, you know, that's kind of relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, Definitely. Yeah. That's a perfect... Uh- yeah yeah so we you know we, we decided we would uh touch on the subject of thunderbirds um right and so you know that is even though that one's kind of a weird one because again it was more so a pterodactyl than it than you know it was a giant feathered bird um you know however sometimes the thunderbirds and the living dinosaurs kind of go hand in hand um mm-hmm. with the living pterodactyls and things like that so um what is a thunderbird pat do you do you want to explain it or do you want me to explain what the basic um what, yeah let's what did it start off with the history so going back to like native american lore um okay you know i think we should we should start there you know so the native americans um you know said that they saw these giant birds that were so large that they um the wings created thunder when they flapped them um i mean there's some because they all have different stories. All the Native Americans have different stories depending on the tribe. It could be that they either caused storms to happen or they um, happened when they appeared. Um, so I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know which is which. Um, but the thing that I found interesting about the Thunderbird was that um, they're often depicted, it's the big totems that you see, the big birds on the totems. Right. Um, but every single tribe, every single connection to Native American tribes have... Uh, they believe in the thunderbird so how do they all believe in it yet they couldn't really travel to each other just to discuss it right and some of them actually it's part of the um they they have shamanistic properties where like it's part of the um how they pick their leader 
is whoever you know they'll they'll go on these vision quests or they'll go on these fasts or something yeah or probably peyote trips and <laughs> if you the whoever has the vision of the thunderbird is seen as the leader so it's something that uh they actually seek to have connections with it was a very positive thing it, it, it was is. a very it was a very power but it was also a very powerful force in their mythology a lot of them believe that what they were doing the thunderbirds when they showed up is that they were fighting the other deities um you know lake monsters and, and and bigfoot and things like that you know they were fighting with these creatures well bigfoot was more of a friend than a foe but they were fighting with these other creatures to kind of keep them safe and you know they don't know if if it was doing it uh well it just depends but if they were fighting these creatures specifically to protect them or if they, it just so happened to be kind of a symbiotic relationship that they had where <laughs> they just got lucky <laughs> that this thing also hated those other deities so <laughs> um but yeah so it's not usually depicted as like a, a type of evil spirit it can be when you're out on the water but most of the time um when you were out out and about on the water they were more worried about you know the the lake monsters and you know right like that. so um it wasn't really that big of a deal so you know just to, oh go ahead i was gonna say and just to kind of while if we're gonna do this chronologically um like around that time also you know uh, there's a thunderbird very very uh similar to thunderbird um in the in middle eastern mythology Perfect. called the the rock yeah uh which is basically it's the same same type of thing it, it abducts animals and it's this mm -hmm. giant bird and people and that goes back to a thousand and one nights mm -hmm. so that's something that is uh i'm trying to find out exactly how old it is but geez like you know <sighs> fucking ancient literature yeah <laughs> you know and so this is it's kind of a worldwide phenomenon obviously there's right. there's different you know there's twinges of of uh, regionalism but i mean yeah the the giant bird myths go back and winged birds not just necessarily dinosaurs but like giant birds. feathered birds right exactly yeah exactly the, and you know they and they do and so it, right so it's like how did they spread these stories across the different cultures and the different areas if they didn't you know obviously they couldn't just you know hop on a plane and go somewhere you know so it's like so then mm. obviously there's got to be something to it now we do have giant birds you know back down way down i think the the youngest one that we've discovered um is 23 million years old still um which still predates us i believe and um that was the uh argenta argentavis it was actually only about it had a wingspan of about i think it was 17 feet I don't know where my oh wow are. um so it was still pretty large um however the thunderbird is believed to be about 35 feet even even now it, it's mm. it, it's considered upwards to about 35 36 feet um and that's mostly depicted in the uh in the famous photograph which we'll get into that um but you know do you 35 feet is this a bus is 35 feet you know? yeah it, yeah it's the size of uh of a whale <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a, that's a big fucking bird and so right. Um, but when you're talking wingspan on a bird, you know, some of our largest birds that we have, we've got, um, I think it's the uh, Wandering Albatross has the largest wingspan at 12 feet. Um, and it only stands like three foot, I think, tall. When when I worked downtown, um, I my office was in the engineering shop on the top of this building that I worked at. And uh, we, most of the downtown Chicago area has... Um, 
peregrine falcons that roost in the high rises. Yeah. And this is something that the city of Chicago uh, released to keep the pigeon population in check. And, you know, if one nested in your building, you you couldn't go out there from a basically like March until October. Right. Because, you know, that's when their babies are, are being born and they're very territorial and they'll dive bomb you. And, you know, I've seen elevator repairmen go out there and get attacked and stuff. And it's kind of a weird, surreal thing because it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. But anyone that's worked downtown long enough knows like, oh, shit, you got a, you got a falcon. You got to stay away from it. <laughs> we had a dog. We had a, yeah. a dumbass lab and uh, just a big, dumb yellow lab. And he at my mom's house as a kid. And he um, uh, one of the baby birds fell from the nest and yeah. he, he got to it. And the bird, like the mom, mama bird, every time he was out there would like try to swoop down and attack him. And he was so blissfully unaware. He just had a great time with it. And she was like out for blood. <laughs> he was fine. She never got him or anything, but it was just, but they, they will get mean. Like birds in general will get mean. Um, even ones that I, aren't predatory, you know, they're, they won't, they'll still do what they need to do to protect, protect the babies. Right. And, and we, so I had a, I had an office with a window that I would leave open and I would, I would smoke in my office indoors. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, one time I turned around and this fucking thing was sitting on my window ledge. My office window was wide open. There was absolutely nothing. The thing was five feet away. Wow. And there was nothing separating um, me and this thing. And it was probably maybe like two or three feet tall. Yeah. But when it saw me, I stood up because I went to go run out of my office. Yeah. And it opened its wings and it had, I mean, the wings had to be at least six feet. Oh yeah, when it, and it, and the muscles on this fucking thing, the chest muscles. Oh yeah, the pecs. It looked like it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. How, I mean, it was a big bird in the first place. It was like a it was like a two foot tall egg or something. Yeah, you know, or a foot and a half. Right. But when it opened up, the strength. I mean, like the only thing that I. I mean, like it was a predator. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only thing I could think of when I saw this thing. Like this thing could fuck things up. <laughs> and, and it, it will. <laughs> yeah, and and this was and in the grand scheme of things, this was not by any means the world's biggest bird. This <laughs> no. was a relatively small domesticated yeah. city of Chicago falcon that that yeah. feeds off penguins, uh, not penguins, um, <laughs> pigeons. <laughs> pigeons but uh oh my god it it was huge and powerful so so from that alone the idea that there could be a cryptid that's much bigger um much more dangerous and much more wilder the living in the in the plains and stuff i totally believe that that's not even that's barely even a question to me that's one thing i mean that's one thing about it is like you mentioned you know its wingspan had to be about six foot you don't and you say that you're like oh six foot but you really don't realize how big a six foot wingspan is until you see it, you know, and it's, it's large, you know, you, you talk about, like I said, the, the longest, the largest wingspan we have of any living bird right now is the wandering albatross and it is 12 feet. And you're like, Oh, 12 feet. That's not that big. But then you see, no, that's, that's if you were to see that in front of you, you would shit your pants. It's totally yeah. different. Right. So when you're talking about a bird, that's 30 feet. You know, that's right. that's a lot. But even back to like the extinct birds, you know, you're talking 17 to 20 foot wingspan. These are big ass birds, and and while they still only stand about, uh, those only stood about about four feet tall. Um, that that's still <laughs> very impressive. But that's the largest bird we've ever. Um, the Argentavis is the largest one we've ever found, and right. um, so that's you know what we have on record. That doesn't mean that we won't find more eventually, or that more don't exist right now. So getting back into it, um. 
I'd say the Thunderbirds that we know today probably started showing up, what, around the 60s, 70s? And it was primarily in Illinois. Right. Well, so the the, the famous story about um, the Lowe family, that was uh, 1977 in kind of uh, downstate Illinois. And that's the story that, like, you know, anyone that's interested in this stuff has heard this story. And we'll, re- we'll recount it for the listeners. Basically, this, the Lowe family was having a uh, barbecue in the backyard. And... Um, Downstate Illinois, it's very rural. You know, they're not necessarily out in the middle of nowhere, but it's by no means like, you know, suburban Chicago or something like that. And um, basically one of these around 8 p.m. after dinner, the kids were outside playing. They were kind of cleaning up and uh, two massive birds uh, flew down and were chasing her 10-year-old son. Yeah. Uh, and she ran to, uh, kind of intervene and one of the birds sunk their claws into his shirt and, uh, lifted up the 56 pound boy clean off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she rushed and and started attacking them and was able to get the kid back and the birds dropped the kid and flew off. Uh, there was plenty of witnesses. There was plenty of physical evidence. Oh yeah. The whole neighborhood saw it happen. Yeah. On the kid. There wasn't really, people were just like, oh, what the fuck? You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of debate or anything like that. It was just kind of like this crazy thing that happened. And it's definitely the most famous recent story of yeah. uh, Thunderbird sighting. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the areas where these things are seen and also going back to like the Indian legends and stuff, it's it's across the Great Plains, which most of us, most of it is still very unsettled. Right. You know, if, if you ever drive from Chicago to St. Louis, you will go through the state of Illinois and there's not, you know, there's. Peoria and there's you know the the different population centers Bourbon A. There's also a whole lot of fucking nothing. Yep, <laughs> right. There you are, know yeah. that's are. the Midwest. That's yeah. that's you know uh, Chicago to Cleveland. Yep. You go through go down Route 30. There's a whole lot of fucking nothing. There's yep. a couple. There's a Chili's or two. There's an Applebee's. You know, of course, you know you can't go too far without seeing a Walmart. But in between these vast unpopulated plains like nobody's living there nobody right right i mean i so i know in ohio we have a lot we have um we have hills which are i would say they're they're pretty much mini mountains so i mean there are vast you know areas of forestation but nobody's that nobody's in and so there are things there are resources like trees and other animals and things like that so i mean it would be i would believe it would be plausible for them to to live in the in the woods and the, and you know just in the woods and, and feed off deer because I mean mm. we've got so we've got so many we've got so many that they encourage us to hunt them <laughs> and you know <laughs> and so um you know they want us to take them out um so I mean it's not too far fetched that something could live and that's what I say all the time you know my favorite cryptids are are things that can fly and things that can swim because there's so many places for them to hide that we can't get to. Um, but you know, because they can just pack up and go and they could be living at the top of, of a, of a hill in the plains, um, you know, inside of a little cavern up there, you know, there's no reason why they can't, they can make their nest high up because we're not up there. Mm. (laughs) You know, as we all know, in the Midwest, our big thing is tornadoes. So guess what? We want to be at the bottom of the valley, not at the top. So (laughs) (laughs) it makes sense, you know, and you know, if that's where they would settle. So, I mean biologically i don't see any reason why these things can't exist and why they couldn't get away with hiding if they did now of course people do continue to see them like we said we had had that famous you know sighting in 77 where 
everybody saw it. And they all described the same thing roughly. Um, you know, that's been kind of up to debate. They described a big black bird with a big white ring around its neck. Basically what they described was the Andean condor. And yeah. now those though, they don't they their wingspan gets up to about ten feet, which is still a it's still a big ass bird. I don't know if you've seen one. I believe they have them at zoos and things. I mean, they're readily available. But um they are big birds, but big enough to try to attempt to carry a 10-year-old? No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> so it's tying together two, two things that you had kind of talked about before, um, both the Native American um, myths and uh, how you said that, like, you know, water is an excellent um, area for these things to breed because it's, obviously we don't know what's going on underneath there. One of the things when I had uh, the podcast that I used to do, we had Tobias Wayland on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking about his Mothman stuff. And I had read his book about the Mothman sightings on Lake Michigan. And he's got a chapter that mentions the Thunderbird connect, potential Thunderbird connections and the Thunderbird myths. So when I had him on the show, I uh, being a huge fan of Thunderbirds, I was like, Oh, we got to, we got to spend at least five, 10 sure. minutes talking about this. And he had brought up the Piazza bird and that's the, um, the murals that were found along the Mississippi river. Yes. Right. Once again, in, in downstate Illinois, there's uh, these murals, um, these giant, giant murals of these big birds uh, along the, the cliffs of the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And um, once again, like, well, you know, a, a culture is not going to go through the, the effort to, yeah, to draw that. something like this. you know on these cliffs above a river for absolutely no reason and given the local folklore and the sightings and just that whole area because that's kind of when we talk about you know they're the official cryptid of illinois obviously not you know northern illinois (laughs) they're not like crystal lake or neighborville but definitely southern illinois um it, it it just kind of lends credence to this area being a hotbed for this kind of activity well that kind of reminds me of the uh which i talked about uh recently if you follow me on Twitter, which you most likely do, um, I did uh, one of my folklore Thursdays was for the uh, Kangamato, and that is in Africa. And that was, I believe, in the 20s or the 30s. Um, it was this big flying creature, which, again, this one was, again, more like a pterodactyl. I think was more like a pterodactyl. There's different accounts because it's so old. But um, the the tribes there in Africa along that river said that they were being terrorized. Um, they, it was like the beast of the water and said that it would come and like flip boats and it hung, it lived in a cave that was like connected to the whole system. And, um, and it was just, it was terrible. It was like a cursed, terrible thing. Um, and, and everybody saw it. It was just common knowledge that, the, that this thing existed. There was an American explorer that was over there um, that was just kind of studying the tribes and things. And, um, you know, that's kind of where the stories ended up coming from was he was, you know, recording the accounts and stuff. It's not a thing anymore. Um, a lot of the natives that live there, unless they're old as fuck, um, don't remember it. It, it it's not doesn't live there now um so i mean that is another interesting thing was that it was kind of there for you know a short time and, and now it's not i mean if it was something that was already on the brink of extinction then that makes sense uh well for the age that's you know it's it's so interesting you bring that up because the other kind of uh mythological monster of that area in southern illinois along the mississippi river is uh what they refer to as underwater panthers yeah, and, I've heard um, of Yeah, and that's and that's popular in a lot of the artwork. Yeah, and um, the cave. No, I mean obviously nothing big as the uh, Piazza birds. Right. But uh, 
I mean, that's another kind of myth from that area. And you were saying earlier about how the, the, um, that's kind of like the, the, two creatures that fight the thunderbirds are supposed to fight the one other monsters yeah Yeah. and and stuff like that so i mean it's like it does have you know it does uh you know it holds it seems to hold some water then doesn't it um but my thing about the thunderbird so this is kind of you know i'll give a little give a little backstory kind of how i got into cryptozoology really was i heard the um rumor of the famous uh lost thunderbird photograph have you heard of this photograph is that is that no up on so no, there, no, no. um there is a picture it's kind of it's like one of the earliest accounts of possibly the mandela effect um there's a picture of a um it's a giant bird that's like nailed to the side of a barn or a building or something and then the picture in front of the bird is like five or six men with their arms outstretched tip to tip you know and and it's the length of the bird to show the length of the bird it's massive and um people have claimed to see this photograph everybody remembers seeing it they said that they've seen it in um in a book somewhere uh maybe around the 60s or the 70s they got it from a library maybe it was a magazine everybody has seen this picture there has been multiple fakes if you look up thunderbird if you just i'm looking it, at it right now the missing fun- thunderbird photo yeah you'll you'll see all these pictures every single person says no that's not it that's not the picture <laughs> it, it didn't look like that there's like specific details um about it so there like i said there has been fakes since then but nobody can seem to find this photograph now right. what's interesting is that um ivan sanderson do you know who I- ivan sanderson is no he's uh he's actually one of the top uh cryptozoologists one of the most famous cryptozoologists out there and um he claimed on a talk show that aired in canada that he had a copy of the photograph i mean he just kind of talked about it casually at that time this was back in the probably late 60s early 70s that he was on the show and he talked casually about the thunderbird and supposedly he showed the photograph on tv showed everybody and um that's that well since then he had lost it and just didn't really think anything of it because there was possibly other copies, but nobody's been able to find it since then. And then going back to like the show itself, um, one of the uh, one cryptozoologist, I can't remember which one, he anyway, he um, reached out to the show to try to get like old, you know, an, an old copy of that segment and where the picture was. And they said there was, you know, hundreds. The show lasted for like 10 years. So there's hundreds of episodes. There wasn't always just one guest on the show. It was like a talk show. And um, so therefore, you know, we would have to know kind of, you know, the date that he was on that, you know, Ivan Sanderson was on the show. And we don't know that. So I'm like, well, why hasn't anybody just volunteered to just go episode like I'll fucking go episode by episode. Right. Like <laughs> I if mean, I get to a, find this. It's picture, a bitch, but it's doable. You right. Know? Like I would happily do it. But it's kind of become like my own like fascination. Like that's one of my goals as a cryptozoologist is to find this photograph, because if you did, it's like the holy grail of cryptozoology. So I, I Googled it. I had never heard of it before. You just mentioned it five minutes ago. I Googled it. And one of the interesting things that popped up in conjunction with this, did you get a chance to watch the uh, ancient aliens video that I sent you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Is that there's a picture of, so there, there's an account of the people in tombstone, like, like actual, like the Cowboys, like the movie tombstone. Yes. Fighting one of these things back in the in the cowboy days. I'm not going to make up a random date and pretend that it's right. I don't fucking know. So that's what the picture is supposed to be of. Right, but there's one of the of the tombstone people with a pterodactyl. Oh, that's and that Twin Peaks. Okay, yeah, (laughs) some Twin Peaks. Really? That's a a photo op for for Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, like the TV show Twin Peaks. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, explain i have no idea what you're talking about 
<laughs> I don't remember why or how exactly, but yeah, it's from uh it's it's a uh, uh it was a photo op taken. It was like a um like a promotion for Twin Peaks or something back in the day. Oh, really? That's crazy. It's a good fake. It it looks yeah, amazing, you know, but it does. It really that looks like a good that looks like a, a really good movie monster. Yeah, yeah, um, it does. Yeah. So it's Yeah, uh, and there's six dudes and they got the pterodactyl outside the yep. the tombstone stable. Um but yeah, so that I mean, but that's that's a legitimate story that also there's multiple accounts of that. Yeah, and it was in the uh, it was in the tombstone epitaph, which is why they they kind of that's it's been referred to sometimes as the tombstone photograph. Um they said that, you know, when it was posted and it was like it was like right on the edge of like 1800s and 1900s somewhere around there really old um you know they said that they killed this giant bird and they supposedly had a picture of it in the in the in the publication and that's where the picture came from and but nobody's been able to find the picture (laughs) you know since then so oh go ahead uh, rewinding a little bit because this is all starting to kind of click together now rewinding a little bit that story of how they fought the giant bird in tombstone yeah what happened was it came out of the Devil's Lake in California, yep. where once again it emerged from the water. There's a body of water connection that this thing came out of and then fought with the locals and then flew off east. And then, and that's their own account of what happened. And then what we have with Tombstone, which was a civilization, obviously a decent sized town that, that was miles to the east, then this creature, presumably the same one, although obviously there's no way to tell, right. shows up. And then they do battle with it and they supposedly kill it. Um, but once again, it's interesting that you have the body of water connection and what that episode of Ancient Aliens, and you can find this, the, it's like a three minute clip of uh, an episode of Ancient Aliens that you can see on YouTube. They they make the argument then that this isn't actually a bird. Right. That because of the whole flying out of the water thing is like, what? And then that it's it's all kind of like. I guess cultural appropriation where like you, you know, th- these people see something and they can't explain in their minds kind of write this story to it. Yeah. And that th- there's more of a, they try to connect it to the UFO stuff. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. yeah. What's your take on that? Um, I mean, you know, of course. <laughs> so I had mentioned, I talked about the Van Meter visitor and how it um, going off into the mine shaft was significant. And, right. um, you know, that is so, you know, part of, of what I'm doing, I always hate to give too much away about the documentary, but it's hard when you've got so many stories. And this is why it's not just going to be a standalone documentary and there's going to be more um, because it all does tie in together. So, you know, when you're talking cave systems or you're talking underground, anything that can lead to underground, um, then you have all of these weird happenings. Um, mm. You've got the people... Um, the guys or you know the people that made hellier they're they're studying the goblin phenomenon which eventually we'll talk about goblins um because that's a popular thing but uh, they're studying that and they found you know basically all these sightings pretty much happen in major um you know ma- major significant areas with cave systems and you know there is a pattern to it of some sorts is it all connected i think it definitely could be i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for us to actually have giant birds um you know be around there however just because of my personal experiences my personal research and everything that i've seen i also don't see how i I could see how it could all be connected in a way but i do i I struggle with it because i didn't start this as 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 an alien researcher (laughs) you know this wasn't why i got into this stuff i got into it because i wanted to study the animals that we have and don't know exist so I kind of have a bias towards it because I want to believe it's biological. But like I said, at the same time, when you put all the pieces together and they all connect, you know, what do you got to do? You got to follow the science. 
happen. Right. So I don't know. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that there's a possible connection between the two? Well, it's just the the problem is is that if you once once you drink that Kool Aid, once once you start conceding that this could just all be our brains trying to, um, I don't know, play name that tune with shit that shouldn't be there, right? Yeah. Like we're we're just coming up with explanations for stuff that we're seeing in front of us, yeah. and sometimes and some of the UFO mythos it makes sense, right? Like you know this, you know these these people go out for a walk and they're being followed by these barn owls and. Right. The owls aren't really owls; they're aliens. Or, you know, you're driving late at night and you get pulled over by what you think is a cop, but he's kind of weird and he's not a cop. And then five hours later, you're in a diner somewhere. Like <laughs> that, that kind of like when you know what I mean. Like when you when you start like talking about the Men in Black stuff and all that, like it kind of it that kind of makes sense. But when you start throwing the fucking thunder, when you try to take my Thunderbirds away from me, <laughs> and you say that the Thunderbirds aren't really giant fucking pterodactyls or giant birds, that they're that's really hard. They're people or the Indians looking at UFOs and not knowing the fuck UFOs. Like that just seems like you're sucking the life out of the party. You know, it's like it's like imagine like you're at a campfire and like everyone's got an acoustic guitar and like there's an acoustic guitar being passed around and some and people are playing like three chord songs and everyone's kind of fucking around having a good time and then you give it to that dude that's like really good yeah and like start shredding on it and you're just like all right buddy like we get it get the fuck <laughs> out of here like you totally missed the point of what we're trying to do here yeah, I mean, so like I mean, that's the thing is that if you really drink the kool-aid on that ufo explanation that it's some kind of mind control or men in black stuff then every cryptic gets thrown out the window it does and that and that's hard like it's, I and that's a bummer that's it's a fucking right. it bummer is. it sucks and i'm like mm, i don't know if i want to i don't know if i'm ready to subscribe to that idea and so it's it's it is rough so for me i don't feel like i have enough evidence to go off of for now i'm gonna say it's biological i'm gonna say it's terrestrial it's something that we that just exists here on our planet and our in our world well so one thing that happened which of course i didn't get fucking video of because i'm just a horrible filmmaker when we were in point pleasant the last time um there was a giant something flying around this power plant that's right outside of the tnt area it's a big big smokestacks out there and there was a huge something flying around like kind of around the, the smokestacks and i i didn't get footage of it and i'm like talking to my person and i'm like you know i mean that that could be the mothman right there and we're not even filming it <laughs> and you know that because we all agreed it was a very giant bird it was bigger than than normal and um you know, but then again, when you're talking about things in the sky, what exactly is, is bigger than normal? It's really hard to scale that and see, you know, and then when you're talking about getting video evidence, even if I would have been filming it, you can't, you still can't tell how big it is. There's no scale. <laughs> so it's, it's very difficult to, to even prove these things exist. But the fact of the matter is, is that they could be living amongst us and we just don't even realize it because we see something flying and automatically we're like, oh, it's a, just a bird, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, that thing is hundreds of feet in the fucking air and it's, you know, larger than life and we just had no idea. Right. Right. But, you know, if if uh, I'm sorry, verbal pauses like we talked about, <laughs> I'm totally doing it right now. So, uh, <laughs> um, <why>? no, no. <laughs> okay. 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 Here we go. You I'm back it. on track. I'm here. You. Okay. Um, if you're going to say that it is all some kind of uh, anomalous third party that our brain is writing the code for, yeah. then you can easily say that the UFOs are a part of that. 
So the the space, whether or not we see it, it's not really a spaceship either. It kind of sucks the fun out of it to say it's really a spaceship, but you know, we think it's a Thunderbird, we think it's a Mothman, we think it's a this, we think it's a that. But what if it's not even? What if the UFO part isn't even real? What if it's something completely fucking left field that we don't know anything about? And like the best, the the most rational explanation we can come up with is something as far fetched as a giant fucking pterodactyl or a UFO or something like right, that. Right, because that's what we know. Right. Right. So, and and really, what it is is something that we don't even have the language for. Um, and that to me is, I, I think, that I I find a little bit more palatable than. Um, saying the birds aren't really birds because i want them to be birds i think that's cool and it could be it could be multiple it could you know not not every single sighting not every single event has to fall under different the same explanation right you know what i mean one you could have the tombstone thing could be one thing and the low family in southern illinois could be something different you know oh yeah it could be a different just an entirely different species one could be real one couldn't be but yeah, I entirely, I entirely, I think that it's totally possible if you look at the, you know, people, people really, and and depending on like who your listeners are, I guess maybe some of them might disagree with this, but I feel like a lot of people that especially live in the big urban centers forget how rural and empty the United States actually is yeah. <clears throat> and how yeah. much really space there is for these things to live and, right. and thrive and not be discovered except for a handful of sightings a year in the remote backwater areas of our civilization right you know just not over there to see it well that's what so one thing um somebody approached me with in the beginning of all this when i first started out um i was approached approached by a bush person (laughs) you know bush people people that don't really get on the internet they don't really connect with other people they just live on their land in the middle of fucking nowhere and these people have all of these stories of all of these things and for them, it's just, again, it's just regular everyday life. There's no accepting it or not, or maybe it's real or it's not. To, it is real because they see it. They live it. There's people that have whole ass relationships with, with Sasquatch. I mean, they, you know, they claim yeah. it. And, um, you know, like, again, for them, it's just normal. And they don't really have the need to report these things or tell people because nobody's going to believe some backwoods, you know, hillbilly anyway. And, um yeah, so they just don't really, you know, their social circle believes it. So <laughs> that's all that matters to them. It's very simple. Um, so, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's so there's so much area that we don't take advantage of, you know, um, demographically that that they could live in that we're not in all the time. That's what I tell people all the time. If you want to have an experience, you need to be outside. <laughs> you need to be out there. You need to be living it. And you can't just, you know, you're not going to go somewhere and, and see something right away. It's not how it works. It's going to be years and years and years of you living outside until you finally do. I mean, you might get the off chance that that you do, but, you know, for the most part, it just doesn't work that way. So I agree. I mean, I think it's, again, I think biologically speaking, it's possible for these things to live. Um, you know, we have, and, and, and what, you know, what is it? Does it have to be a 30 foot bird? I mean, does it really, maybe it's just something with a 15 foot wingspan, which would be still magnificent. You know, it, it would be amazing if we had something like that. Does it really have to be that large? What qualifies it to be a Thunderbird? I mean, does it have to have the magical powers to, to create storms? I, I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, that's the, and so, you know, that's all kind of up to your per your perception and kind of what you, what you would want it to be. Um, so, I mean, if we had an undiscovered giant species of bird that we found, then is it, if you look at like, uh, which, which look, if you don't know what it is, look it up right now, the, the shoe bill stork. Have you ever seen one of those fuckers? I'll do what you said and look it up, Pull right, it up now. right now. They are fucking horrifying they're scary 
<laughs> they kind of look like a giant Muppet. I oh, mean, my God, those eyes. Yes. If you've ever seen like a crazy picture of birds with with like almost human two like, human looking yeah. eyes. Yeah. The shoe, the shoe bill stork, even like, you know, and when we go off here, watch a video of it. It just moves so strangely. It looks so unnatural. And they're big. Right. You know, they're not small guys. They're they're pretty big. Um you yeah, know, it's it's a dude squatting, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty big, right? And so it's like if someone saw that, I mean, if I saw that and didn't didn't know what a shoe bill stork was, <laughs> you know, my mind I would think, would be like, what the fuck? You I, know, you'd instantly go to monster, you know. I would I would think it came to kill me. <laughs> yes, it's <crazy. laughs> sweet though. I don't think they're um I don't think they're predatory, um, but no, they they are very sweet. And then the harpy eagle also is one that everybody points out a lot. Actually, the harpy eagle is is kind of the explanation for like yeah. possibly the flatwoods monster just because it looks so human-like and so some of these birds are fucking scary and again if you're not an animal person and you don't know what these things are then why would you you know why would you not assume that it was something otherworldly yeah and especially if you're if you're a tribe of indians that's very region or just people in general i'm not trying to pick on the native americans but if you're if you're a tribe of people that's very that sticks to one specific region yeah and you get a you get a couple birds that maybe flew in from out of town uh and you're seeing something for the first time yeah you're yeah. gonna come up with all kinds of explanations oh, yeah. you're, you're but uh wonder right your mind's gonna wonder so given given the prevalence in, of of it in folklore and artwork i think to me that's ultimately the test is if you know a, a story here a story there fine yeah whatever but when people take the time to to tell stories and draw pictures and then and then attribute religious significance to it too when we talked about you know how they pick their next leader by whoever fasts and sees the right. thunderbird and stuff like that then that that there's a little bit something more there there's a little bit more weight to that there definitely could be well and then like going back to the photograph so like something i thought about when i was reviewing photographs again after after all this because i do still you know what even though they're fake when i see them you know i get i get the butterflies and i get excited and i get into it because you know sure. something like that exists for me that's you know that's that's what turns me on and uh <laughs> oh that, that's it okay my old thunderbird um but no i mean so you know look i'm looking at it again i'm kind of going through it seeing if there's anything that i'd missed over the years um and it kind of hit me even if someone did even if we did present the photograph that everybody says that they saw and and it was it was exactly one of the ones that we already have that's been proven as a hoax i mean why would they be like oh yeah you'd be like well here's this one it's fake it's been proven fake but here it is why would you then admit that it is you kind of ruin the mystery when you do you know why uh, why would they admit oh that's the one i saw when to them as a child looking at these books and looking at these photographs at that time in their life they believed it was 100 percent real so then you're challenging their reality and they don't people don't like that you know you would just right. humans, we don't like that so we might not ever find it i mean we really might not i've been thinking ever since i found out that that um sanderson was on that show and the files for the show still exist i i kind of do really want to approach and be like hey let me watch this show <laughs> and find it i will go through every episode just send it to me <laughs> um but i don't even know how any of that works but i, I have thought about it because like i said if, if we if that's all we got to do to find the picture then let's do it you know let's put it into the mystery let's solve it but what do we solve it anyway even if we did see it we still can't prove that it's real the people that are in the picture they're all dead the the body is who knows where you know <laughs> who knows what they did with any of it you know you oh, sure they'd save some of that or they, they would taxidermy it and it would be, you know, but they didn't, you know, what did they do with it when it died? So I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that they ate it or fucked it. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> I ate it, hopefully. 
Hopefully, fucked it. Then ate it. Uh, right, that's what I would imagine. Well, they had to spice it a little bit and give it some, some flavor. Um, <laughs> God, that's terrible. Based it in based it in zinc. <laughs> you know, you do what you can uh, back in the day. There wasn't much, so right. <laughs> it was very old, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I hope that I'll find it. Like I, that's one of my cryptozoology zoology goals. Cryptozoological. I can't talk right now. Cryptozoolo- I can't do it. Cryptozoological. Cryptozo- cryptozoological. Zoological. I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean. Fuck. I'm I just did the- it for you. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. find the big bird picture one day. <laughs> <laughs> and again, is it going to prove anything? No, it won't. It- it'll just strictly be for clout. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm the one. I did it. You know, that's <laughs> it. It just it, then it becomes real to me, I guess, and and I think that that you know in my in my line of work, that's what's important to me is that I know, you know, I, I want to share it with everybody as much as I can, but you know, for me, I, I want to know if it's real or not. So yeah, you know, that's uh, I don't know. You got anything else to talk about regarding the Thunderbird? Did we cover? I think we covered the pretty much the basics. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will talk about. Um, you know this will kind of lead into next week we're going to do like living dinosaurs and stuff so i didn't really want to talk about too much of the pterodactyl stuff um because we'll we'll get more into that um but uh you know as far as like a big feathered creature um is it real probably (laughs) yeah my money is at least at some point or you know it's they're living somewhere yeah. They're migrating, obviously. They have the ability to do that, but yeah, I think yeah. they're around still. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, too. So, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. If you guys are, uh, you know, the Thunderbird seems to be a, a, a big favorite, actually. So, I think um, I think you guys probably mostly believe in it. But I'm curious to see what your theories are. Um, so, definitely let us know. But other than that, we'll be back next Wednesday. Take care. <laughs>